fast am I, and welcome to another edition of Spotlight. I'm Christy Dehaven. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This week on Spotlight, not only do we have a number of fascinating and fun chats with some brilliant creatives, both on Isle and further afield, but those chats are brought to you by two brand new voices on the Spotlight stage. In a moment, we hear from the author of critically acclaimed new book, The Island of Extraordinary Captives. And later, we head to the pub, where a new musical takes shape during a multi-genre jam session live rehearsal. Remember, we'd love to hear from you with any of your creative endeavours. Email us at spotlight at manxradio.com. By day, Sean Sternick is a teacher at Balakamine High School. He's also an actor a screenwriter, a playwright and a former Blue Man from off of the actual Blue Man group in America. Since moving to the island some years ago, he has immersed himself in many aspects of the art scene. So he was, I hope, delighted to come on board as a regular contributor to Spotlight in the coming months. For this, his introductory appearance, he brings us a fascinating conversation with a critically acclaimed author. And I'm happy to say Sean remains as gracious and self-effacing as ever. Hi, I'm Sean Sternick, and thank you, Christy, for that amazing introduction. I will do my best to live up to it, and may I have a copy for my mother. Uh, recently, I had the genuine pleasure to talk with Simon Parkin about his new book, The Island of Extraordinary Captives. Now, this book caught my attention because while I know the island held internees during World War II, I was surprised to learn that Hutchinson Camp, what I know as Hutchinson Square, was home to a remarkable number of artists. Simon tells us more. Yeah, so uh, my name is Simon Parkin. I'm an author and a journalist, and my new book is called The Island of Extraordinary Captives, which is all about the business of internment on the Isle of Man during the Second World War. And I have to tell you, Simon, I read the book and it's brilliant. I mean, I, I struggled to re- remember I was reading nonfiction. It was such a um, at, at, at times it felt like a, a sort of a, a thriller, a, a real page turner. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. And, and that's, um, that's one of my questions for you right off the bat. I, it, it's clearly a factual material, but, um, your, your style is, is so gripping. Uh, how, how do you turn factual material like that into, into something that feels like a story? Well, uh, well. Firstly, thank you very much. That's very encouraging to hear. Um, I'd say, you know, carefully is the key. What, what you don't want to be doing, I suppose, is um, tipping into fiction. Um, and so, try, I try and avoid you know, writing down things that I assume people were thinking. Um, and, and instead try and base everything in, in fact and what they were doing. Uh, but at the same time, I suppose, using some novelistic techniques just to to describe scenes and individuals and characters. And all of that information has to be drawn from, you know, from truth and from, from the real world. So it's a case of trying to track down family members who might have diaries or memoirs, um, looking at pictures that were drawn of or painted of the various internees in the camp and uh, I suppose just to try to immerse myself in that world and then through that tell a compelling story to sort of draw the reader through it. Now as a uh, uh, an immigrant to the Isle of Man myself I, 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 I'm 
firmly aware that this place is a little out of the way. How did this story find you, or how did you find this story? What what brought you to the Isle of Man for this particular this particular book? Well, I, I was I was actually interested in prisoners of war during the Second World War, uh, German prisoners of war living in in England at the time and across Britain. And I'd gone to the National Archives in Kew, which is where sort of the British government's um, documents stretching back uh, hundreds of years are kept. And I was reading through a folder of, I suppose, quite boring war stuff stuff about moving Nazis from one camp to another. Um, And then tucked in one of the sheaths of paper there was a you know what looked like a homemade newspaper or, or magazine called the camp and it, it was all written in english and it appeared to have been written by german and austrian prisoners but um it included sort of um a letter from the editor saying you know make sure you tell everyone that you hate the nazis so quite a you know an arresting and also slightly confusing document and that led me down the path to find out you know who produced this whereabouts were they what was the camp and uh, through that i learned that you know in the second world war there had been these 10 internment camps on the isle of man and, and others all, all around uh, britain as well but but primarily on the Isle of Man. And this particular newspaper had been produced in one of those camps called Hutchinson, which is based around Hutchinson Square in Douglas. And um, it just so happened that this this camp had been filled with a dense concentration of artists, writers, journalists, um, lawyers, all sorts of impressive people from the world of culture and academia had come into this camp and, and together some of them had produced this particular newspaper that I'd found. And that's what compelled me, I suppose, into this world and to try and find out more about it. What about the the actual people involved? Was that a similar sort of experience? You, I, there is such a vast amount of research and and you've covered quite a scope. But the, the, the people you focus in on, did you know that you were going to be focusing in on them in particular from the beginning? Or was that another happy accident? What led you to those individuals? I'm, I'm talking about Peter Fleischmann and Ludwig Warschauer and Eschen Kozen. Mm. I wanted to find a character, I suppose, who, for whom internment was, um, was I suppose, a, more complex than it just being, oh, well, this was a terrible thing that they, you know, great injustice that they had to, you know, the idea that having fled Germany, you're going to be accused of being a German spy is, you know, immensely painful and was for many of the men. But for for, for Peter, who's the protagonist of the book, he was a he was an orphan who had dreamed of becoming an artist in Berlin, and those dreams had been cut short by the Nazi regime. He had to quit his studies at Berlin Art School. And he lived in an orphanage um, that was attacked on Kristallnacht in 1938. And because he was an orphan, he was offered one of the places on the kinder transport, which will be familiar to most people, the, the, the children's transport that brought um, young people out of, out of Germany and gave them places to live in, in Britain. So he was on the very first kinder transport and, um, and, and then wound up in Hutchinson camp. And he, his story just really attracted me because within when he arrives at the camp, he still wants to be an artist he realizes that among Hutchinson's luminaries there are you know 20 30 very well regarded European artists who have wound up in the camp and they start to they sort of take him under their wing and start giving him art lessons t- 
teaching him how to mix clay from um, from sand that he collects while he's out on walks. They um, teach him how to make um, paintbrushes, and um, and he wins an art uh, a camp art competition, and then is given a chance to exhibit some of his work that he's created in the camp in one of the um, camp art art exhibitions, and and then the the art the older artists one by one they start to be released, but 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 they do find him a, a position in an art, uh, art college outside of the camp that he goes and attends after he's eventually released. And then he, he goes on to study at the Royal Academy, graduates top of his year, is given a prestigious Rome scholarship and then spends the rest of his life working as a professional artist. So, so for him, I suppose, internment was quite a complex um, time. You know, it, it did sort of cause, cause him some damage. He would have nightmares about being in the camp throughout his whole life would dream that you know, one by one the other men are released until he's the only one in the camp never to be freed um, but at the same time it was responsible for this great awakening in, in his life and this expansion of prospects um, so you know I liked I liked Peter a lot and he had recorded some of his memories in an oral history I made contact with his son who was able to pass me more information so these things all, all, all work together to make him the protagonist and then as you mentioned he he was also related in some ways to this dubious character in the camp Ludwig Vorschauer who who th the other artists in the camp suspected may actually not be who he said he was and Peter was um, involved with, with him in in quite an interesting way that that suit, you know made for I thought a good story yeah excellent choice there um you you hinted at some of the complexity uh in uh, about um about the internees experience in the camp frankly uh, the british government doesn't quite come off um uh as innocent as as we usually come to believe uh when we have world war 2 stories but what i guess what i'd like to finish with is what message really do you want do you want us as as readers to come away with when we put your your book down well um I, I suppose the the dominant story that that we all receive as um, as people from from Britain or America or you know who who fought on the side of the Allies during the war the the story that we receive is that we were a just nation fighting the embodiment of of evil which is which is of course true um, but I think it's important to recognise the other stories that are also true from that time and and the the internment. Perhaps for people on the Isle of Man, it's more within the cultural mem memory because, of course, uh, it was the islanders and, and people on the island's um, relatives who, who had to give up their houses and had their lives disrupted. But, but certainly in, in Great Britain elsewhere, I think it's, it's a less well-known story. In fact, in, in many cases, unknown um, almost completely. So the chance to, I suppose bring that story to wider attention to it just helps us have i think a more a more rounded appreciation of of the truth of of what happens in these great geopolitical moments of of history um and and as well i suppose it, it's it serves as a as a warning for how in these moments of crisis politicians can be pushed into making hasty measures that that heap a great deal of misery on often the the sort of people most in need 
the people who are most vulnerable and most in need of compassion and, and help. And, and that's true in every, in every era. And of course, every government has to balance the need to protect its citizens. And, um, and that's what, that's partly what it's there for. But at the same time, it, it has to reckon with the question of, you know, how far do we go in the rightful defense of those values before we begin to abandon them along the way? And this, this story, sort of I suppose throws that question into sharp relief and uh, we can perhaps draw some some lessons that it's useful to have in mind today as well. So that was Simon Parkin discussing his book The Island of Extraordinary Captives and it is an extraordinary book. If you'd like to know more about Simon, you can head over to his website, simonparkin.com. And if you'd like to get a copy of this book, head over to the Bridge Bookshop and pick one up for yourself. If you're interested in Isle of Man history, if you're a World War II buff, or if you just happen to live on Hutchison Square, you will appreciate this book. So get yourself a copy. And if you'd like to hear my complete interview with Simon, check out our podcast at manxradio.com or using your usual podcast provider. And you will hear Simon delve into even greater detail about our island's extraordinary captives. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Many thanks to Sean, Mr. Sternick, for that lovely interview. As if one fabulous new contributor wasn't enough, this week we bring you two... Waiting patiently in the spotlight wings, if that isn't a contradiction in terms, is Jed Power. Jed is a big supporter of and contributor to the island's art scene. Music is something he's particularly passionate about, so he was thrilled to attend a recent, rather unusual event in Douglas. Something of a live rehearsal and trad jam night for an upcoming production of Once at the Gaiety Theatre. It's a Tuesday night and we're at the Quids Inn and I am in company with... Kira and David Kilgallen, who are husband and wife, and I'm going to kick off with Kira. Now, it's been an entertaining evening so far. Just give us a bit of background about how it's all come together. Oh well, this is um, this is a great event that's been put on um, by Mary Malloy, who runs a lot of the Irish sessions on the island, and Mary is um, a part of the musical crew for the new musical Once that's coming to the Gaiety Theatre. Um, and she decided that rather than just exploring um, one genre of music, we'd bring together um, a bunch of different uh, musicians with different ideas and, and different genres and some folk and some Irish and some Manx um, and work together and, and see what comes out of that. So it's very much unrehearsed session music, mostly the cast of, of Once, the new musical, but with some, some added guests as well. So the production is due to be performed at the Gaiety in August, I take it. So we're in the embryonic stages, I take it. You've put the cast together, is that right? The amazing team um, of Three Legs Production has has put the the cast together and I'm so very lucky to be a part of that cast. Um, So I'll be a fiddle-playing Czech girl called Reza who's living in uh, in Dublin. But it's a beautiful musical and it's something that most people will never have seen anything like it before and it really focuses around music and around session playing and it's really the story of musicians, a very beautiful story of musicians 
working together and collaborating. Um, so this playing together on a regular basis, this jamming, is less what you might see on the Gaiety stage and more just the, the creation and the evolution of teamwork and group music and the crossover of genres and um, just fun collaboration. So I'm just trying to picture the set on the stage. So I'm thinking about a Dublin bar where music is being played amongst friends and acquaintances and what have you, and that the plot is centred around that. I mean, D David, you're the musical director, is that right? So perhaps could you just give us a bit of a taste of what the tale is about? Well, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm directing um, the music alongside my um, companion Steve Dakin as well. So, um, but yeah, so that I think on stage, I think I think the idea at the at the moment is it's um, you're right a bar um, with with beer and and music. Um, but re I think really the idea behind it is that uh, musically, uh, people from a number of different backgrounds actually get together and put this performance t together. It's not your traditional music and musical in the sense that everything's scored. Um, and that's how you follow it. There's a guide essentially, and and what we're trying to do, um, and what hopefully will happen is through things like this, this kind of session, we're going to capture the essence of what's happening tonight, and the feel, and and perhaps even some of the, the songs that are coming out of it, and um, and bring that to the stage. You know, it's all about the feel good factor with this uh, with this um, show, and um, and it's you know it's all ultimately a um, a love story as well, but. Um, bringing together different uh, traditions. Well, I think as rehearsals go, this is like the perfect setup, isn't it? You're actually in a pub playing, getting a feel for the role and what have you. And I did cast my eye on uh, on the list of uh, actors. Would you, would you call that? Because yeah. the local musicians, are they? have they they're been musicians. picked well, for both? They're actors, but also that's that's the beauty, really. They're musicians as well, so... Um, and in fact, we're very, we're very lucky on the Isle of Man to have so much talent here. Um, and that's really what this show's doing, it's tapping into the fact that, you know, musically and also acting-wise, um, you know, if we've got that talent here, why not use it? You know, why not get it on the stage? Well, it's probably a first um, for, for, for the Isle of Man. I'd imagine something like this, a production like this, it's kind of a little bit out of sync with the more traditional productions that we see at the Gaiety. Uh, Kira, how, how's, what's the lineup say for the next few months? Uh, what are you going to be focusing on? You're going to be moving out of the pubs. Is there going to be a lot of line learning, a lot of scripts to get hold of? I think, I think we, yeah, I think we're going to spend a lot of time in the pubs. Uh, our director Dave Dawson is is incredibly busy at the minute. They're working very hard on the Hunchback of Notre Dame, and then after that, um, we'll move into uh, working hard for once. But I think um, I'm I'm not sure what to expect. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be very different. I think the approach from as an actor and as a musician the whole approach will be very different. But I've read, I've been very lucky to read the script and it's very beautiful. Um, and I've just from skimming through it, laughed a lot and cried my eyes out already. So <laughs> I can't wait to see what, what happens on stage. Wonderful, so the production is called Once. It's going to be performed in, in August yes. at the At the Gaiety Theatre, yeah. So there's more information to follow that. I think at some point we'll perhaps touch base again. Definitely. Maybe in a couple of months, and it'd be great to come back and see how you guys have progressed. But lovely stuff. Thank you so much.
backwards in and I'm in company with Georgia Morley. Yes, hi. So Georgia, you've just conducted a impressive, stroke stunning performance on the stage. Mm-hmm. What's brought you down here tonight? Um, by default really, I guess. Um, I was in O'Donnell's a few weeks ago and I spoke to Mary after an impromptu set after my friend kind of set me up to sing and um, then I was asked here tonight so I thought I'd come down um, and it's been really nice actually listening to everyone and a nice little atmosphere. So you're 22 years old but you haven't really got a a background in music so you tell me please spill the beans. Um, Yeah I'm 22 I probably have always sang and I taught myself guitar when I was like 11 maybe um but i'm very lazy with it and i've done i guess bits and bobs when i was a bit younger and at uni but since then kind of only singing in my room i would say (laughs) no more (laughs) so not a pure music background with uh grade eight exams and what have you self-taught in the bedroom what's been your inspiration oh (laughs) lots really my mum probably my mum is a big music fan she literally probably taught me everything I know with with artists and who to listen to and all of that jazz. So yeah, but I would say my mom and do you mean like actual artists and things? Um, oh, a big old bag of um, literally the cl- classic rock mostly, jazz, blues. Well, t- tell me, who's your go-to icon? My go-to, oh. On a top three. Oh, top three. Um, yeah, I do love uh, Lana Del Rey, Amy Winehouse, Caliuchis. Love her. I do love her. She's a bit different, though, to the others. <laughs> well, on stage, your style was, could say, a little bit different, wasn't it? Individualistic and, and, and what have you. Now, we're in the Quids Inn pub, and it's on a Tuesday night, which is normally a pretty quiet evening in Douglas. So, for the listeners, we've got people here with all kinds of skills and talents on the musical front. Uh, what have you seen? What's impressed you? Um, I would say there's a lot of like maybe like traditional folk, I guess, which is really nice. I really that's really nice to hear. Um, and there's a group of guys here. I think they're doing something at the Gaiety, and they sounded really amazing when they did a little group session before. Um, yeah, a bit of everything, I guess. Everyone's sort of bringing something to the to the quids in tonight. Yes. Um, plans for this year, you seem a little bit reserved about this uh, talent that you've got. Mm-hmm. What, what are you going to do? Where are we going to see you? Um, to me, it really is just a hobby. It really is a hobby. I, I love singing. Um, I love playing. I love just the, the, the scene and like the togetherness that music sort of brings. I really enjoy. Um, so for me, yeah, nothing, nothing in plans, I guess. But um, just keep it chill and enjoy it while you... You know, as you go along, I guess. It's my plan. That's my plan. (laughs) (laughs) It's to just be chill about it and enjoy it. Well, thank you so much. And it was a real pleasure to listen to you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Superb stuff there from Jed Power. Really looking forward to that production of Once We Will, as Jed said, keep you posted as and when we learn more about the dates and times of that. Before we leave you, there are a couple of events for your artistic diary this weekend. This Friday sees the final of the Riffs and Outlier Band Battle 2022. 
Lambs to the slaughter, the Balags and Ironclad will battle it out for the trophy, so get yourselves down to Quids Inn on Friday to support. Also, this Saturday is a celebration of all things arty, colourful, crafty and queer at the Kensington Arts Centre. As they bring us the first LGBTQ plus history month, Schools Out, all-day queer-friendly event. There's an artisan market, an art tank workshop, soundcheck gigs, lip-sync for your life, film screenings and more. And you can find out more about it by listening back to last week's Spotlight with our interview with Peter Shimon from Kensington Arts. Don't forget, if you have anything you'd like to tell us about with regards to your own creative endeavours, you can email us spotlight at manxradio.com. That's it for now from the three of us. Have a great creative week. <laughs>